Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Intercontinental Championship has always been one of the most prestigious titles in all of wrestling. It also happens to be my favourite championship of all time, thanks largely to the belt being held and defended by some of the all-time greats and my all-time favourites from within the business. In many cases, holding the Intercontinental title has been a springboard to eventually capturing the WWE Championship. With so many legends, Hall of Famers and future Hall of Famers having held the title, it's only natural to debate who were the 10 best Intercontinental Champions of all time. For me, one of the best things about WrestleMania 28 was that the Intercontinental Championship was going to be defended. No, I wasn't thrilled about it or excited about the fact that Cody Rhodes was defending the title against the Big Show, but I was very pleased to see the WWE decide to showcase what has traditionally been one of the most important singles titles in the industry. The title used to be a staple of WrestleMania. In fact, from WrestleMania 1 through to 18, the title was defended at every single event with the exception of WrestleMania 12. But from that point on, the IC title became inconsequential. From WrestleMania 19 through to Mania 27, the belt was only defended once at WrestleMania 25. But how did that happen? How is it that the championship that produced possibly the greatest match of all time between Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania 3 got put on the back burner for so long? Why did the belt that was fought over in the first truly great ladder match in WWE history not seem to matter anymore? The WWE Championship has always garnered more attention and prestige than the IC title, but once WCW was acquired and the World Heavyweight Championship was created, the Intercontinental Championship almost seemed to fade away entirely. With that being said, let's turn back the pages of history and take a look at the top 10 greatest Intercontinental Champions of all time. Obviously, the problem with these lists is how subjective they are. The wrestlers who I think are the 10 best might not be the same ones that you would have listed, or maybe they are, but your order would have been different to mine. Everyone has their own opinions. Everyone's entitled to those opinions. This is obviously not the first or the last time one of these lists will be created, but this list I like to think is a little bit different than the other ones that I've seen. To try and add a level of almost legitimacy to the list, I wanted to take a moment to divulge what I was looking for when I ranked these great champions. I looked at several factors. Some of them are obvious, such as the length of a championship reign or how many reigns a particular superstar had. I also looked at factors that any list like this should consider, such as ring skills, wrestling proficiency, technical ability. But obviously the WWE is not just about how skilled one is in the ring, we all know that. It takes charisma, it takes mic skills, the ability to communicate a storyline to fans while also helping to get the fans invested and suspend their disbelief as much as possible. I also looked at the type of intercontinental champion that the wrestler was, how they carried themselves, how they carried the belt, did they make the belt feel important? Then there is obviously the intangible quality that all of these champions have. That certain something that helped to get them over in the first place, not just as champion, but just with the fans as well. The best of the best were great, uh, just bringing out an emotional response and a passionate response from the fans. Whether that response be in the form of rabid cheers or scathing boos, the best of the best champions 
always made obtaining the desired results seem effortless. But before we get into the top 10, let's take a very quick look at some of the wrestlers who came close but didn't quite make the cut. The very first ever Intercontinental Champion, Pat Patterson. How about China, the only woman to ever wear the Intercontinental title, and on two occasions no less. There's always Cody Rhodes, he held the title for 236 days, the fourth longest reign of an Intercontinental Champion who only held the belt the one time. The Magnificent One, Don Morocco, held the belt for the third longest combined time. Over two reigns as champion, he held the belt for 541 days. Shelton Benjamin, the gold standard, he held the belt on three different occasions for a total of 354 days. How about the Great One, The Rock? One of those whose championship reigns are somewhat forgotten because of the success that he attained at the very top of the card and obviously his top billing around the world as the megastar that he is today. He was a great Intercontinental Champion, held the title for 339 days over two separate reigns. Jeff Jarrett, Rob Van Dam and Dolph Ziggler, all six-time champions. Jeff Hardy, a four-time winner of the IC title. Triple H, another one similar to The Rock, whose Intercontinental runs are pretty much forgotten about. The game held the title on five separate occasions. But, with a list of honourable mentions that strong, just who exactly did make the cut for the top ten greatest Intercontinental Champions of all time? Number ten, The Miz. Whether you like The Miz or not, there is simply no doubting that he is one of the greatest IC champions of all time. He has certainly been a polarising figure throughout his WWE career, with many saying that he was unworthy of his brief WWE Championship run. However, one cannot discount the importance and relevancy which Miz brought to the IC title during a period where the Universal Championship was rarely featured on TV. Simply put, the Miz made the IC title the title in all of WWE. If you're compiling a top 10 Intercontinental Champions list based on in-ring skill and classic matches, then obviously The Miz wouldn't belong anywhere near it. In fact, he, he probably wouldn't even make the top 50, truth be told. Further down this list, you'll find a who's who of the best to ever lace a pair of boots. So you are somewhat justified in questioning The Miz's inclusion here. But as I said at the top of the show, this is a list based on numerous factors. The Miz has won the IC title a whopping eight times with a combined reign of 597 days, which makes him the second longest reigning champion in history and only 22 days behind Pedro Morales, who is in pole position. Anyone who holds a title with such frequency surely has to be a part of the conversation. Miz is only one reign behind Chris Jericho, the record holder for number of individual reigns, and obviously still has more than enough time to match and potentially surpass Y2J. There's also the undoubted reach that The Miz has had outside of the WWE. His movies may not be Citizen Kane, let's be honest, but the Marine movie franchise has certainly made The Miz at least a minor celebrity beyond the confines of the company. He's no John Cena, he's no The Rock, but his successful Miz and Mrs series has also undoubtedly brought new eyes to the product. Now this is a guy who started out on a crappy MTV show and was ridiculed for a number of years for being a poser, a wannabe, and was kicked out of locker rooms left, right, and center. All of these things combined mean that The Miz takes his rightful place at number 10 on this list, because damn it, he has worked hard for it. Bret the Hitman Hart at number nine. Bret Hart is another one of those wrestlers I mentioned earlier whose IC championship reigns were somewhat diminished by their accomplishments later on in their career. Without question, the excellence of execution is best known and more highly regarded for his accomplishments as a multi-time WWE champion. But when you look at the quality of the two wins that he had to go through to capture those Intercontinental titles, you have to have him in the top 10 as one of the all-time greats. 
Brett won his first IC title at SummerSlam 91 in a thrilling match with Mr. Perfect and in one of the best ever IC title matches. He reversed an attempt by Mr. Perfect and a leg drop to his groin, spun the champion over, made Mr. Perfect submit to his iconic sharpshooter. The victory was made even more sweet as Brett's parents were in attendance that night. As good as that match was, Brett's second IC title win might have been even better. At WrestleMania 8, the Hitman squared off against Rowdy Roddy Piper, his real-life cousin. The two men battled ferociously, and Brett was bleeding badly when he escaped Piper's lethal sleeper hold by pushing him off of the turnbuckle, flipping himself on top of Piper, and though he was still in the sleeper hold, pinned Piper for the 1-2-3. Brett would go on to be one of the greatest WWE champions ever, and would even have a successful run in WCW as well. Troll told, the Hitman would hold the IC title for 290 days during his two reigns as champion, and he comes in at number 9 on this list. The Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels at number 8. Shawn Michaels is considered by many to be one of the, if not the, greatest WWE star of all time. When Shawn first started out in WWE though, he was there as a member of the middle of the pack team, The Rockers, and envisioning him as one of the all-time greats seemed pretty far-fetched at the time. What changed to vault Shawn Michaels from a tag team afterthought to a Hall of Famer? His three Intercontinental Championship reigns are what really seemed to get the ball rolling for HBK. After terminating the Rockers by throwing his partner Marty Jannetty through a window, Shawn's career arched upwards dramatically. His quest for the IC title was a key reason for this. In fact, his legendary rivalry with Bret the Hitman Hart had its origins as part of his pursuit of the IC crown. Michaels first challenged Hart when the Hitman held the IC title in the first ladder match in WWE history. Unfortunately, he came up short on that occasion. His ties to Bret Hart would continue though as HBK captured his first IC belt by beating the British Bulldog, who had beaten Bret for the title in a memorable match at Wembley Stadium in SummerSlam 1992. Shawn would then try and defeat the Hitman after Bret had captured the WWE title in a champ versus champ match. Again, Shawn lost. Michaels would drop the IC title to former partner Jannetty, but would recapture it less than a month later. After being forced to vacate the belt, Michaels would engage in a feud for the ages with Razor Ramon for the Intercontinental title. This feud would culminate in their epic ladder match at WrestleMania 10, still considered by many to be the greatest ladder match of all time. After a face turn, Michaels captured his third IC belt by beating Jeff Jarrett. This would lead to HBK's last really great match as IC champion, a second ladder match with Razor Ramon again, at SummerSlam 95. Sean would win this time in a match nearly as good as their first encounter. But Sean was great on the mic as well. He had this effortless ability to make fans love or hate him with just a few words. He was as charismatic as any IC champion in history. While Michaels would go on to accomplish great things as a three-time WWE champion and one-time World Heavyweight champion, it was his time spent as the Intercontinental Champion that would sow the seeds for his status as a legend. All in all, he held the Intercontinental title for a total of 406 days over those three reigns, and that's why he comes in at number 8 on my list of all-time greats. Number 7, Chris Jericho. Nobody has held the Intercontinental title more times than Y2J. He has won the title an astonishing nine times over the course of his illustrious WWE career. In fact, there's not much that the Ayatollah of rock and roller hasn't done. While Jericho might be best known and best remembered for beating The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin on the same night to become the first ever undisputed WWE Champion, his accomplishments as the Intercontinental Champion simply cannot be ignored, and nor should they. Jericho's IC title matches have been some of the most entertaining and memorable in WWE history, and Y2J has beaten some of the industry's best along the way. 
Jericho is another rare wrestler who can hold the audience in the palm of his hand and effectively manipulate their emotions with just a few words, moves or actions. A consummate professional, Chris has also, for the most part, been able to find a balance between his WWE, AW career, whatever else it was that he had going on at the time, whether it be touring with Fozzie or Dancing with the Stars, whatever endeavours he might have been engaged in at the time, and it never, ever diminished how important he was to WWE or how important his legacy with the Intercontinental title was. Jericho was a tremendous IC champion, and he checks in at number seven. Coming in at number six, it's the Honky Tonk Man. Honky Tonk Man holds a distinction of having the longest Intercontinental Championship run of any single reign champion. Honky Tonk won the title in a shocking upset from Ricky the Dragon Steamboat a mere two and a half months after Steamboat's epic win over Randy Savage at Mania 3. He would then go on to hold the title for the next 454 days before finally getting thrashed by the Ultimate Warrior at SummerSlam 88. Some would argue that fact alone warrants a top three ranking for the Honky Tonk Man amongst the all-time greats, others beg to differ. While his reign was long, it was far from distinguished. He rarely had a clean win during the course of his record-setting reign. More often than not, he held onto the title by way of count-out or DQ. In fact, it was the Honky Tonk Man who mastered the so-called champion's advantage and used it to great effect to hold off challenges like Steamboat, Bruno Sammartino and Randy Savage. But it wasn't all bad for the Honky Tonk Man, he was excellent on the mic, had great charisma and despite looking, sounding and acting like a Las Vegas Elvis impersonator, he was one of the best heels in WWE history. People despised him and wanted him to lose the title so, so badly, it may have been a major factor in why he reigned for so long. The WWE did a great job of building up a near sense of desperation for someone, anyone, to dethrone the hated champion. When he finally lost the belt to the Warrior, the reaction of Madison Square Garden crowd was one of pure euphoria. Now that's what I call showmanship. Like him or hate him, the Honky Tonk Man thoroughly deserves his place at number 6. Number 5, Pedro Morales. Morales held the Intercontinental Championship longer than any other wrestler. Over his two reigns as champion, Morales held the title for an amazing 619 days. In fact, his second reign as IC champion was for a whopping 14 months, longer than anyone other than the Honky Tonk Man. Morales was a scientific wrestler extraordinaire, which is what we called some of the faces back in the very early 80s who had a great deal of technical skill. He was extremely popular with the Puerto Rican community that was heavily represented at many events at MSG back in the 70s and the 80s. An interesting aspect of his IC reign is that they actually happened near the end of his career, Unlike many of the wrestlers already discussed, Morales actually won the WWE title first back in 1971. After he then returned back to WWE in 1980, he teamed up with the current WWE champion, Bob Backlund, to win the tag team titles from the Wild Samoans. The IC title at that point was the only belt that Morales had not won in WWE. When he captured the belt from Ken Patera in 1980, he became the very first ever Triple Crown winner in WWE history. From there, Morales would feud with legendary superstars such as Billy Graham and the magnificent Don Morocco. His feud with Don Morocco, in fact, was one for the ages where Morocco would win the title from Morales twice and Morales would win the belt back from Morocco on the one occasion. For Morales, the IC title was the crowning achievement of a spectacular career. Too many people I talk about WWE history with do not know who Pedro Morales is and that is a crying shame. He's a Hall of Famer, one of the best wrestlers ever, and deserves to be considered amongst the greatest IC champions of all time. 
Number four, Mr. Perfect. Also known as Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect might not have literally been perfect, but he was one of the greatest IC champions of all time. He held the title on two occasions for a total of 406 days. One of the most technically sound wrestlers of any generation, the perfect one exemplified everything we think of when we consider the all-time great champions. After trying and failing to capture the WWE title from Hulk Hogan, Mr. Perfect set his sights squarely on capturing the IC belt, which had been vacated after the Ultimate Warriors win over Hogan at WrestleMania 6. He would accomplish this feat by defeating Tito Santana in the finals of a tournament to crown a new champ. The master of the Perfect Plex would go on to defeat all comers for the next four months before losing the title to Kerry Von Erich at SummerSlam 90. Mr. Perfect would win the title back from Von Erich in November of the same year. Perfect's second reign as champion was one of the most impressive of all time. There were some cheap wins along the way, with some less than optimal results, such as his loss of DQ to Big Boss Man at WrestleMania 7, but through it all, no one could question the talent that Mr. Perfect displayed, and no one could really question Mr. Perfect's skills as a performer, actor, and a showman. The promos he would cut, showing his superior skills in everything from shooting hoops to throwing darts, to his talent on the golf course, are still some of the best and most entertaining promos of all time. Mr. Perfect was the perfect heel for so many years. Ultimately, unfortunately, a bad back and a broken tailbone would force him to drop the belt to Bret Hart at SummerSlam 91, and he was just never the same after that. Gone but never forgotten, Mr. Perfect is a Hall of Famer and one of the best to ever lace a pair of boots. Number three, Razor Ramon. Also known as Scott Hall, Razor Ramon held the Intercontinental Championship on four separate occasions for a total of 438 days. That places him fifth on the list as far as total number of days a wrestler has held the prestigious title for accumulated. While Ramon was probably not as technically sound as others on this list, such as Bret Hart or Mr. Perfect, the quality of his feuds, the matches that those feuds produced during his title reigns, are a major factor in ranking him all the way up at number three on this list. After spending the early part of his WWE career as an obnoxious heel who resembled a cross between Danny Zuko from Greece and Tony Montana from Scarface, Ramon turned face and his fortunes changed dramatically. He won his first IC title by beating Rick Martel in October 93 to capture the title which had been vacated by Shawn Michaels shortly before. After Michaels returned from suspension, he and Ramon would feud over who was the true IC champion. That issue would be resolved at WrestleMania 10 when Ramon defeated HBK in one of the best ladder matches of all time. But their feud was far from over. Michaels would introduce Diesel, Kevin Nash, into the equation. In real life, the three men, along with Triple H and the 1-2-3 kid, Sean Waltman, or X-Pac, as you may know him better, were forming the clique. As far as kayfabe was concerned, however, the feud was white hot. Diesel would eventually win the IC title from Ramon, but Ramon would recapture the belt from him at SummerSlam 94, after Michaels accidentally nailed Diesel with a sweet chin music. This seemed to mark the end of Razor's feud with Michaels and Diesel. Ramon would then engage in a bitter feud with Jeff Jarrett over the title, with Ramon losing the belt to Jarrett and then winning it back in yet another ladder match, only to lose it back to Jarrett another few days later. This ping-ponging of the championship somehow did not diminish the quality of the battles or the importance of the belt, and fans were the ones who really won. Ramon would finally lose a ladder match as he was unable to recapture the belt from Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam of the same year. He would win his fourth and final IC belt from Dean Douglas, before dropping the belt for the very last time to Goldust in 96. 
Ramon would leave WWE soon thereafter and change the industry as we knew it when he formed the NWO with Kevin Nash in WCW alongside Hulk Hogan. Ramon's ring skills, in my opinion, were always underrated. You could say the same for his abilities as a performer, but I'm not sure anyone other than Scott Hall could have pulled off the bad guy persona better than he did. For three years, Razor Ramon was involved in some incredible matches, some of them attaining legendary status as the best of all time. The fact that most of them involve the IC title justifies Razor's inclusion on this list. Number two, The Ultimate Warrior. I already know that many of you will disagree with me as to this selection, but, but hear me out first. The Ultimate Warrior was the most dominating intercontinental champion ever. Never before, and probably never again, have we seen an IC champ run roughshod over the competition like Warrior did. It all started with a resounding destruction of the Honky Tonk Man in all of 13 seconds at the very first SummerSlam back in 1988. The Warriors dethroning of the Honky Tonk Man produced one of the loudest ovations I have ever heard a wrestler receive. Warrior would not really be challenged until WrestleMania 5 when, with the help of Bobby Heenan, Rick Rude stole the title from him. A few months later at SummerSlam, Warrior would recapture the title with some timely help from Rowdy Roddy Piper. By the time he won his second IC title, he was he was being looked upon as an equal to Hulk Hogan, the, the biggest star not just in wrestling but arguably in the entire world. He was destroying everyone in his path. Even the once unbeatable Andre the Giant was being squashed by the Warrior at house shows everywhere. As far as I know, the Ultimate Warrior is the only wrestler other than Hulk Hogan to slam Andre the Giant. That should give some sort of indication as to the dominance of the Warrior. Ultimately, the Warrior was so dominant that he was given a shot at Hulk Hogan and a WWE title at Mania 6. No other IC champion has really been looked upon as a legitimate threat to the then WWE champion, and true, many other IC champions have been given a shot at the title, but only the Warrior was considered to be a real threat to take the bout from the biggest name in the industry. As we all know, the Ultimate Warrior stunned everyone by cleanly pinning Hulk Hogan and winning the WWE title. As we know, the Warrior was nowhere near as great a WWE champion as he was two-time Intercontinental Champion. As far as his camera work was concerned, Warrior fell short of the mark a little bit. Many of his interviews were incoherent ramblings, snorting, or any number of other odd behaviours. But despite these shortcomings, he was a huge fan favourite and was able to rival Hulk Hogan where fan support was concerned. Many people can't stand the Ultimate Warrior for his controversial comments outside of the ring, for his lunacy and some of the things that he has said since, but you can't deny how dominating the Warrior was as IC champion. He held the title on two occasions for a total of 432 days and left a trail of defeated greats in his wake. Number one, the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Oh yeah! While many of you may disagree as to Ultimate Warrior being all the way up at number two, I suspect many of you will agree with me that the Ultimate Warrior deserves his rightful place as number one on this list. He only held the title one time, actually, but what a reign it was. His win over Tito Santana in February of 86 was certainly not the cleanest of title wins that we've ever seen, but what made Savage so good was just how he defended the title against absolutely everyone. As he did so, no one could deny just what a talent the Macho Man was. He used aerial attacks like no one before had ever really thought of. Sure, guys like Jimmy Snooker would use the turnbuckles or maybe even the top of a steel cage, but not quite the same way as the Macho Man did. Combine all of that talent with a real mean streak, and Randy Savage was easily the most dangerous man to hold the IC title. 
didn't hurt that he had the lovely Miss Elizabeth at ringside of him, and her involvement always made Savage somewhat less of a heel, no matter how hard he tried. Even with all of his jealousy and insecurities on display, the relationship between the two made for some of the most enthralling type of entertainment possible and some of the best TV that WWE have ever provided us with. There was something magical there between Savage and Elizabeth, probably made all the more genuine because obviously they were married in real life. It's something we may never see again. With Elizabeth at his side, but rarely interfering in his matches, Savage continued to pile on the wins, including some count-out wins over then WWE Champion Hulk Hogan. Savage also successfully defended his Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania 2 by beating George the Animal Steel. But Macho's defining moment as Intercontinental Champion, ironically enough, came in defeat. I've mentioned it many times throughout this list, but after nearly ending Ricky Steamboat's career with one of his patented aerial attacks, the two would meet at WrestleMania 3 for the IC title in one of the greatest matches of all time. As we all know, Steamboat would win that match. Though he lost, anyone watching could see that Macho Man was destined for bigger and better things. His talent, his charisma, his popularity were so evident, WWE decided that Savage would be the man to succeed and dethrone Hulk Hogan as WWE Champion in 1988, something that he accomplished in a tournament for the championship at WrestleMania 4. On the mic, Savage had no equal. His voice and delivery are recognised by wrestling fans all over the world. His over-the-top robes, his equally gaudy glasses will never be forgotten. All of this combined to form the ultimate Intercontinental Champion. His one and only reign lasted a whopping 414 days, the third longest title reign of all time. In 2011, sadly we lost the Macho Man to a heart attack. He was only 58 and was just starting to build the bridges that had been burnt with WWE. Though he's not in the Hall of Fame yet, we all know he should be and hopefully will be one day. Simply put, Macho Man Randy Savage is the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. So there we have it folks, my list of the 10 greatest IC champions of all time. If you enjoyed this list, please make sure to hit the subscribe button on YouTube, followed by the little bell for notifications, or hit follow on whichever audio platform you're listening on. Please also check out patreon.com forward slash it's my wrestling pod, where you can support the podcast for as little as £1 per month. All the money goes back into making the podcast the best that it possibly can be for you guys. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time on It's My Wrestling Podcast.